Thank you, thank you. And uh, my thanks to all of you who are joining us um, in this virtual Sangha. <laughs> uh, indeed, today we are celebrating the appearance day of Sita Devi. And uh, thinking about this took me back to... 1987, I believe it was, uh, when I was traveling in, well, India, many places, but India and then Nepal. And I was in the Himalaya mountains with a small, very small group of devotees. And we came back to um, Kathmandu. And when I arrived in Kathmandu uh, at the temple, someone said, oh, uh, tomorrow is Sita Devi's appearance day. And uh, they have a big celebration in Janakpur. Janakpur uh, would be and the place of King Janaka, Janagaraja, in the sort of south, in the plains of, of Nepal. So uh, I was uh, much younger and much more ener energetic than today. So when I heard that, I immediately jumped onto a bus <laughs> even though I had just been on a bus for 12 hours, <laughs> coming from Pokhara, I jumped on a bus and traveled another 12 hours, six hours of which was going the same way back that I had just come. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, coming to Janakpur uh, for that festival. So I feel uh, it was quite special experience to be right there in the place of, or at least understood to be the place of the appearance of Sita Devi. Here's one prayer I found um, which mentions Sita Devi as uh, Janaki Devi. Jayatu Janaki Devi, Jayatu Raghavanuja, Mene Svargam Ivaranyam, Rama Sambandakaranat. All glories to the daughter of Janaka, and all glories to Lakshman, uh, the younger brother of Raghava. Um, I'm translating this from the German. <clears throat> For them, uh, the forest was transformed into paradise uh, because they were in the forest together with uh, Rama. They, they were allowed to be with Rama. Rama Sambandha Karanat. Hmm. So it's interesting, a prayer which is, uh, 
connecting these two, actually the three, uh, who go to the forest. So Sita Devi, uh, of course, insisted on going to the forest with Rama. Even Rama was saying, no, 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 you can't come to the forest. It's very dangerous. It's very, very difficult life there. This will be not good for you. She insists on going with him. And finally, he agrees. And uh, similar with Lakshman, he was supposed to stay back, but he said, no way. No way, because um, he is inseparable, as Sita Devi is inseparable from Ram. So also, Lakshman is inseparable from Ram. It just so happened that a few days ago, uh, a devotee came here um, un- unexpected and delivered to us uh, the almost full set of English translation uh, of what's called the critical edition of the Ramayana, part of which, this part in fact, um, I want to read from Sundarakanda, was translated by uh, two professors who were my Sanskrit professors in Berkeley, uh, husband and wife, Robert and Sally Goldman, very uh, expert teachers. And uh, they have done this part of this uh, uh, multi-volume translation Usually the Ramayanas that we see uh, are abridged. The Valmiki Ramayana, um, as you may know, as many devotees know, have seven khandas. Uh, What many don't know is that it's much longer than they think (laughs) because they're getting... Same with uh, the Mahabharata, of course. We usually... Uh, read abridged Mahabharatas, but this is the unabridged. It's unabridged, and it's also what's called critical edition, which means uh, it's a result of literally decades of work of uh, sifting through several manuscripts to come up with uh, this particular edition. But uh, before I get into this, I want to do a little, maybe, promotion, especially because uh, this is Gurukul. And I think if you're not aware of this, you will be interested to know of the three-volume series um, called Sita's Fire by Vrinda Seth. Are you familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Well, in case someone is not familiar, I want to very much recommend. It's uh, These are beautiful volumes. They're a little expensive uh, because they are full of uh, color prints of the paintings which have been done uh, by Vrinda's mother 
Annapurna. And this has been a huge project they've uh, done over several years. But also the writing of uh, Vrinda is really very excellent. It, it's, uh, and it's very accessible for grown-ups and I would say also for young, for, the, for children. Uh, and what I find particularly special about her writing is she, she gives us insight into how um, all of the personalities must be feeling. Uh, she's uh, exploring the deeper, we might use the word psychology, <laughs> uh, of the characters. And she's especially writing from the perspective of Sita Devi. So I don't have, if I had my copy, I have the first two volumes in Slovenia, but if I had with me, I could read some excerpt from that, but alas, in any case, we'll read from something from the Sundara Kanda uh, of the Valmiki Ramayana, because it's called Sundara, and there's various reasons it's called Sundara Kanda. Sundara means beautiful, uh, and we, can, we may want to say one reason it's beautiful is because it's describing a beautiful encounter uh, between Hanuman and Sita. And I find this uh, very striking because here, here we are. Um, Sita Devi is in this situation of imprisonment. And this, incidentally, may be something we can relate to in times of lockdown. Um, there's been so much lockdown, although maybe things are easing up, easing up now, especially in the UK. Uh, Sita Devi was on lockdown in the Ashok Garden, and uh, she was there for months. And she didn't know what was going on outside of uh, this Ashok Garden. All she knew was uh, there's this horrible Rakshasa demon, powerful uh, Rakshasa demon Ravana, who is lusting after her and is threatening her that if you don't yield to me uh, by the end of the year, I will kill you. Hardly. Hardly an expression of love. <laughs> if you don't, uh, if you don't love me, I will kill you. <laughs> what kind of mentality is that? Sita is, as we all know, being guarded, or rather, uh, kept. Um, kept in this situation by these Rakshasa women. 
and um, they don't make life easy for her. Although uh, there is description not in the uh, not so much in uh, the Valmiki Ramayana, but in the Sri Ram Charitamanas of Tulsidas, of one of the Rakshasis, as being sympathetic uh, to Sita, and we may read some of that. <clears throat> but I want to start with uh, Sarga number 26 of Sundarakanda. Uh, this is after Ravana has harassed her and abused her verbally. Uh, and it begins, verse, Sarga 26, verse 1, begins like this. When Sita, so filled with pain, had heard the painful words of Ravana, Lord of the Rakshasas, she was as terrified as the daughter of an elephant king attacked by a lion in the depths of the forest. Surrounded by the Rakshasa women and cruelly menaced by the words of Ravana, timorous Sita, timorous means something like timid, uh, Timurasita lamented like a little girl abandoned in the midst of a desolate wilderness. Hmm. And then she says, Sita Devi says, <clears throat> Virtuous folk in the world have a popular saying that there is no such thing as untimely death. Alas, it must be true if I, who lack all merit, have managed to survive even for a moment under such abuse. Devoid of happiness, and filled with so much pain, truly, my heart must be very hard indeed, since it has not shattered into a thousand pieces, like a mountain peak struck by lightning. Surely suicide could not be reckoned as a crime in my case, since this creature so hateful to my sight, is going to kill me anyway. While I am no more able to give him my affection than is a Brahmin able to teach a Vedic mantra to a Shudra. <laughs> it's an interesting analogy. Surely, if Rama, the Lord of the world, does not come, the vile lord of the Rakshasas will soon dismember me with sharp knives as a surgeon might a fetus 
in the womb. Alas, the two months allotted me, who have already suffered so long, will soon elapse. Then it will be for me just as it would be for a thief imprisoned and condemned to death for a crime against the crown on the morning of his execution. So Sita Devi is really, her lamentation is deep, and she says, how is it possible that I'm still alive? Such horrible things are happening to me. And in effect, she's also suggesting, I must not really have that much love for Ram. Rama, otherwise, how could I still be alive? And this may remind us of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu expressing similar thought in Chaitanya Charitamrita Antilila. I don't remember which chapter. He's, he's lamenting, he's saying, what kind of devotee am I? <laughs> I'm still living. <laughs> if I were a real devotee, I wouldn't be able to live in separation uh, from Krishna. <clears throat> she calls out, O Rama, O Lakshmana, O Sumitra, O Mother of Rama, and my own mother as well, this luckless woman will perish like a ship foundering in a storm at sea. Those vigorous sons of the Lord of men must have been killed on my account through the strength of that creature in the form of a deer, just as a pair of bulls or lions might be killed by a bolt of lightning. It must have been death himself in the guise of a deer who deluded hapless me at that time when, fool that I am, I sent away my husband, the elder brother of Lakshman and the younger brother of Rama as well. I wondered about this. Um, recently I was thinking about this. How is it that Sita did not have, feel some remorse for having decided, oh, I want to have this deer, and then sending Rama away and then Lakshman away. Didn't she have some remorse? Yes, she did have remorse, and that's uh, now she's expressing it. Alas, Rama of the long arms, true to your vows, alas, you whose face rivals the full moon. Alas, you, benefactor and beloved of the whole world, you do not realize that I am to be slain by the Rakshasas. So like this, she goes on lamenting and agonizing over her situation. Um, 
And at one point she says, I would quickly take my life with poison or some sharp weapon, but there is no one in the Rakshasa's household to give me either. <laughs> if, they, if they would give me some poison, I would take it. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then it says... Thus did Sita lament over and over, fondly remembering Rama with all her heart. Then, trembling, her mouth gone dry, she approached uh, the great blossoming tree. Uh, And she's... mm, approaching this tree, then she, whose limbs were lovely, began to think about Rama, Rama's younger brother and her own family, and as she did so, many auspicious omens, well known in the world, appeared and inspired her with courage. They were omens such as had previously appeared and had been proven accurate. So now starts a new phase in this uh, in this section. Uh, she is experiencing some auspicious omens, and it will give a description of some of some of these. And why is she feeling these omens? For example, her left arm so lovely, shapely, full, and round, which was fit for the finest aloe and sandal pastes, and which had so long been caressed by her peerless beloved, now too began to tremble. Um, And like this, there are uh, different auspicious signs. And why, why are these auspicious signs coming? Because now... Hanuman is present. She doesn't see Hanuman yet. Hanuman has been there for some time and uh, he's been listening. And he is, you know, he's a Vanara. What is a Vanara? Well, uh, in this translation, it's translated as monkey. Uh, there's a quite extensive discussion in, I believe, uh, the uh, introduction to Kishkinda of this edition about what means vanara. Uh, one way of understanding is nara va, means human or, or not, or not quite human, or what exactly? We're not sure. <laughs> but okay, uh, he's generally thought to be a monkey, and monkeys like to be in trees, so there he is in the tree. And Hanuman is very happy. He's finally found Sita. He's been looking. He's seen so many women in Lanka, uh, and It's been a process of, um, I guess you could call it um, 
parisesha nyaya, or a process of elimination. No, this can't be Sita. No, that also cannot be Sita. No, she wouldn't be intoxicated. No, she wouldn't uh, be, you know, together with Ravana, and so on. Uh, And then, uh, finally, finally, after determined searching, Hanuman finds Sita, and he's very happy now. Um, And he says, he's speaking to himself now, he says, it is now fitting, this is Sarga 28, uh, verse 6, it is now fitting for me to console the wife of him who is immeasurable and compassionate to all creatures, for she is longing to see her husband. Um, Now, it's interesting that it mentions he who is immeasurable and compassionate to all creatures, uh, because this, of course, is suggesting, is indicating that Rama is no ordinary human being, but is rather uh, Bhagavan, the supreme personality of Godhead. Um, It's interesting because it's mm, somewhat typically said uh, by modern scholars that the idea that Rama is Ishvara or Paramishvara or um, Bhagavan doesn't seem to appear except in uh, the final kanda and in the first kanda, and they suspect, therefore, these are later additions. But here we find right in the middle of Sundara kanda, uh, he who is immeasurable and compassionate to all creatures. I must comfort her whose face is like the full moon, for she who has never before experienced suffering can see no end to the suffering of hers. Uh, She who has seen no suffering. This was, of course, Rama's concern that Sita should not come to the forest because she has uh, been sheltered her entire life growing up in the palace of her father and then um, marrying and coming to uh, the palace in Ayodhya, um, always always living a very sheltered life. And now, now everything is just the opposite of that. She has no shelter. She's not in any kind of building, she's out in the wild, and of course she's been in the wild, but with Rama and Lakshman, so she's been protected all that time. Uh, But now everything, it's like everything is lost. And so Hanuman understands, he understands this, uh, what a terrible feeling she must have, and therefore Hanuman wants to mm, console her. 
He says, it would be wrong of me to leave without having first comforted this lady whose mind is overwhelmed with grief. Now, why would he say that? Because he could, without speaking to her, having simply seen her, he could have immediately left and returned to Rama to report that he has found Sita. And that would have, by that he would have uh, accomplished his, his service. But he's going a step beyond his service now because he understands she needs uh, to be consoled. But he's intelligent. Hanuman is um, no ordinary monkey. Uh, he says, It would also be proper for me to reassure the great armed warrior whose face is like the full moon and who is yearning for the seat, for the sight of Sita. Obviously speaking of Rama. And then he says, But... I cannot speak to her right in front of those rakshasa women. What then am I to do in this predicament? And then he thinks, if I do not comfort her through the remaining portion of the night, there can be no doubt that she will take her own life. There can be no doubt. He's, he's seriously worried uh, that she may take her own life because she, he, Hanuman, has been listening <laughs> to her monologue, her soliloquy, and she has said as much. She said, if I get a chance, I'm going to take my own life. So Hanuman thinks, whoa, this is serious. I have to do something. What am I going to do? Rakshasas are here. I can't just come and speak to her. Uh, that's not going to work. Then he goes on. And if Rama should ask me, what message did Sita have for me? What could I possibly tell him if I had not spoken with that fair-waisted woman? So he's also thinking, this would be expected of me. Maybe Rama didn't say, speak to her, but he understands I, he should. Um, <laughs> and then he's also fear, fearful for his own, uh, his own well-being. He says, if I were to return from here in haste, Without bringing a message from Sita, then in his rage, Kakutsta, which is another name of Rama, might burn me up with his fierce glance. If that were the case, then my having engaged my master on Rama's behalf and his coming here with his armies would be all in vain. So, I shall remain here, waiting for some lapse in the vigilance of the Rakshasa women, 
at which point I may quietly comfort this woman who is filled with so much sorrow. And then, so he makes this decision, and uh, this is... um, It's kind of a motif, I find, uh, which is very interesting about the Ramayana. You can go through the whole Ramayana and see how uh, so many different decisions are being made after some sort of dilemma is confronted. Should I do this? Should I do that? If I do this, then that. There are many examples of this. Um, And so the Ramayana is on one level, very much about making choices. And of course, uh, it's about making dharmic choices. And at the same time, it's about the difficulty of making dharmic choices, (laughs) if not the impossibility uh, of making perfect choices without there being some kind of trouble. Um, little more of his reflection we can read. Since I am so very tiny and a monkey to boot, I had best speak Sanskrit, the language of humans. <laughs> now, Hanuman had received this uh, blessing uh, to become an ex- excellent orator. Uh, and of course, he's the son of the wind god, so that would also factor in. On the other hand, if I were to speak Sanskrit like a Brahmin, then Sita would take me for Ravana and be frightened. So again, he's reasoning back and forth. What's going to be the best approach? Still, I must speak comprehensively to her in the language of the people, for there is no other way for me to reassure this blameless woman. Uh, So it's interesting that it's mentioned that Sanskrit is the language of humans. Uh, There would, of course, also be various Prakrit languages. But uh, Valmiki Ramayana, of course, is is a Sanskrit text all the way through. There are many dramas... Uh, typically, Sanskrit dramas will include both Sanskrit and Prakrit, where the persons, uh, women in general, will speak Prakrit, and persons of lower caste will also speak Prakrit. And there are different Prakrits. Uh, there's from different regions of India. But anyway, Hanuman says, have to speak Sanskrit. And he goes on quite extensively uh, reflecting or thinking um, how to go about uh, this next phase in his task. Um, Okay. I won't read all of this. I think I'll move on. Now, uh, what is our schedule? We are going until which time? Uh, until 7 
um, just after seven, maybe we can go up to quarter past seven. Okay. Okay, I'll just do... Okay, I'll just uh, do a bit more and then can say a bit about uh, Janava Devi and then we can see if there's some discussion. Um, so what Hanuman eventually does is to speak a mm, an abridged Ramayana <laughs> to Sita from the tree. He's just, you know, kind of in the background and he's uh, he's singing, we can say, uh, the story of, uh, of Sita and Rama in, in summary fashion so that Sita will hear. Mm. And of course, uh, she will become attracted to these words. Uh, he starts out, There once was a king named Dasharat a master of chariots, elephants, and horses. He was pious in conduct, greatly renowned, honorable, and glorious. Born in a, line, in a line of universal emperors, he was equal in strength to Indra, smasher of citadels. And so on. And... His beloved eldest son, whose face was like the moon, the lord of stars, was named Rama. <laughs> he was learned and was the foremost among all bowmen. And so on. <clears throat> uh, let's see. On the orders of his aged father, steadfast in truthfulness, that hero went into exile in the forest accompanied by his wife and his brother. <laughs> so Sita's hearing all of this and saying, hey, he's talking about us. He says, uh, and now I have found her, for she is just as I heard Rama describe her in respect to her beauty, her complexion, and her splendor. And then he went silent, <clears throat> and Janaki is very amazed, <clears throat> and she's looking up in the tree, and she's looking, where is this coming from? Finally, she sees the wise son of the wind god and minister of the lord of the monkeys. He looked like the rising sun. So now things are going to become definitely auspicious. But Sita is going to be thrown back and forth, back and forth, attracted and excited but then again becoming then becoming doubtful that this is ravana in disguise and naturally she has this doubt because she knows that ravana is fully capable of making such disguise 
And besides that, now she also has experience, very bad experience, with respect to the so-called deer that she sent Rama uh, to capture because she has realized that this was um, Maricha in disguise. And so uh, as Hanuman speaks with Sita, he still has a very major challenge uh, to uh, gain her trust. And of course, eventually, as we know, uh, famously, he will um, give her the signet ring of Rama by which uh, she uh, becomes convinced that indeed this is uh, a proper messenger from her Lord. But before that, uh, there's a passage. This is Sarga, Sarga 32. And I just thought it's interesting to read her doubtfulness. She says, uh, this is verse 22, Can it be that this is some mental delusion or some hallucination? Or can it be, perhaps some manifestation of mental disorder or perhaps just a mirage. On the other hand, this cannot be a mental disorder or a delusion with the symptoms of mental disorder, for I clearly perceive both myself and this forest creature. <laughs> And then it goes on, after thus considering all aspects of the situation, Sita concluded on the basis of the Rakshas's ability to change their forms at will that this must indeed be the king of the Rakshasas. So we're, we're sort of um, given some picture of how Sita's mind is working uh, as she is hearing from Hanuman. Realizing what she was thinking, Hanuman, the son of Maratha, the wind god, tried to encourage her with words that would be welcome to her ears. And he says, that great man under the shadow of whose arms the world is protected, is as brilliant as the sun and as beloved by all the creatures as the moon. Like the god Vaishravana, he is the king of all the world. And he goes on and on, uh, glorifying Ra Rama. Um, and he reassures, Ra, reassures Sita uh, that very soon uh, she will see, she will be reunited with Rama. Uh, and it's, it's a fascinating conversation, but I, considering the time, now I want to share a poem from Surdas. Uh, 
This is it. Um, no, that's not the one. Oh. <clears throat> okay, here we are. Um, yes, Surdas, uh, the poet, the North Indian devotee poet, uh, is credited with uh, composing many, many songs in Braj Bhasha, songs, poems, and uh, including a few which are relating um, about the story of Sita and Ram, Ramayana. So here's one short uh, related to what we have been really reading. Uh, this is being spoken by Sita, she says. Now that you've seen me in such a state, deshe ya gati jata sunday sao, what more message need I send as you go? She's speaking to Hanuman. Kaha hao kahao. Listen, O oh monkey, Suni Kapi, how much longer can I guard the breaths on which my life depends? In Prananiko Pahro, Kub Lug There a restless lot, that means her her breaths are a restless lot. E ati chapal chalyoi chahat. They want to depart. Hmm. She's been expressing that in the Valmiki Ramayana. I just want to give up my life. She's saying, now my, my life heirs, they want to depart. So how long <laughs> will I be able to hold them? Uh, they no longer think at all. Karat na kachu bichar. They, my pranas, they don't think anymore. I only restrain them by calling and calling his name. Le, le, nao, jatana kari rashati, roki, roki, mush, dvar. I call the name Ram, Ram, and thereby closing the door of my mouth each time. Rok, uh, roki, roki, mush, dvar. The door, dvar, of my mouth. I'm able to close it because I speak the name Ram. And in that way, I'm able to keep my life air within. Um, Hanuman, I fear to trouble you, itni bat janavati tum sao, with knowledge of so humble a thing, irpati hao anavant, uh, han bant, hanavant. Um, but never has he heard such misery, says Sur, 
nahin sur sunyo kahu kao. That mercy loving husband of mind, dush karunamaya kant. So it's a nice, nice way of ex- uh, a poetic way of Sita Devi expressing her eagerness to be reunited with Rama and her sense of desperation. If it doesn't happen very soon, um, my life may not survive. I may not survive. So, Hanuman, go back quickly, please, and uh, get Rama to come and, and, uh, and save me. As we know, Hanuman has this idea. He, he offers to Sita to carry her back on his back. And Sita Devi kind of laughs and says, that's ridiculous. Uh, first, because Hanuman is at that time speaking to her as a small monkey, and she understands, oh, she thinks I'm just a small monkey. Then he expands himself, makes himself very big to show that he is fully capable. And then uh, Sita Devi says, no, 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 Rama has to come. He has to, um, he has to reestablish his honor. Uh, and and therefore he must come and save me. Well, uh, these this was just a little um, a little meditation on a, an important um, a small but important section of the pastime of Sita Devi, who is. We can say, expressing very much uh, the major theme of the Ramayana, which, according to Ananda Vardhana, uh, the uh, medieval um, critic of poetry, Sanskrit poetry, said that the Ramayana is has as its main rasa karuna, um, which has been translated uh, as tragedy, although I think of it more as uh, pathos. Mm-hmm. But in any case, we usually, yeah, we think of karuna sometimes in relation to compassion, uh, but it also has this sense of uh, mm, of suffering which we see embodied in the person of Sita uh, and the, the, that, how, how she endu- endures this suffering which does not end when Rama comes and saves her um, but will come again, um, emphasizing the theme of separation, how Sita is... Um, repeatedly, we can say, separated from her Lord. So, um, today is uh, celebrating the appearance day of Sita Devi, and it's also the appearance day of, uh, of Janava Devi. 
And I have to say, I was not really very successful in finding um, very much material on Janava Devi because what struck me is that there isn't a whole lot, at least in our literature, there may be um, there may be texts which are not translated, uh, which are glorifying Janava Devi. But uh, I have here one verse from the Nityananda Ashtakam. From who is it from? I'm not sure if it's from Narutam, from Vishwanath. In any case, it goes like this. Rasanam magadam svajanagana sarvasvam atulam tadiyaika prana pratima vasuda janava patim sada premun madam parama viditam mandamanasam bhaje nityanandam bhajana tarudkandam niravadi and the translation is I perpetually worship Sri Nityananda Prabhu, the root of the Krishna Bhakti tree, who is the mainstay of all the rasas, who is everything to his devotees, who is beyond compare, who is the master of both Vasudha and Janava Devi who uh, consider him more dear than their own lives, who is always maddened in Krishna Prema and who is unknown only to those of meager intelligence. So the key phrase here is master of both Vasudha and Janava Devi. And of course, it's... Uh, a striking feature of the life of Nityananda Prabhu, who spent so much of his life um, unmarried, and one would have thought, oh, he's a sannyasi, but he never um, took any formal sannyas. He was considered more an avaduta, uh, beyond, beyond uh, the varnas, beyond the ashramas, so that it was um, quite appropriate when he was requested by uh, the father of Janava and Vasudha when he, after he had had a dream, according to one account, uh, Surya Sarakela, mm, Surya Kar Sarakela, uh, the father had a dream that uh, Nityananda Prabhu became the husband of his two daughters. So he sent a, a devotee to Navadvip, where Nityananda was staying, to convey that message that he has had this dream and could you please come and marry my daughters? And Nityananda Prabhu said, yes. <laughs> and so he came and it was a grand affair so 
not one, but two. Nityananda Prabhu became uh, the husband of, of both uh, Vasudha and Janava Devi. And Janava Devi in particular became very prominent uh, as a leader of the Vaishnavas of Bengal after the departure of Nityananda Prabhu, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had left um, earlier, and uh, he and she, Janava Devi, um, became highly respected as guru for the Vaishnavas of Bengal. And she is noted for having been present in the uh, Ketri Gram festival organized by Narottam Das. Now, this event would have happened, some have estimated, a good 50 years after the departure of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which means uh, it would have been the first Gorpurnima festival after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu departed. And it was a very, uh, by all accounts, a very well-organized event. Narottam, Srinivas, Acharya, Shamananda Prabhus were there. Narottam and Srinivas especially were organizing. They sent messages all over Bengal. Uh, they were very exacting in who they were inviting they managed to uh, invite everyone who had, um, who were still alive, who had met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and um, so many, so many other devotees who were considered proper followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Janava Devi was there, and. Uh, in this assembly, it's uh, said that uh, this was an event in wh wherein um, what is now known as Gaudiya Vaishnavism essentially got or organized in many respects. It was, it was a, uh, a kind of point of departure, and it was a time, as I said, about 50 years later, and it was a time, one scholar has explained, that this would have been a time uh, when prior to, or the time in between Mahaprabhu's departure and this time of the Ketri Garam festival and then later, there would have been a lot of political instability in Bengal, in Orissa. And it would have been very difficult to, to organize, uh, to have gatherings of uh, the devotees, the, the Vaishnavas. But uh, things become stabilized um, by, well, possibly by uh, the year 1580 or so, Mm. Mahaprabhu's departure was 1533 or 34. 
So, um, and then it's still some time before the Chaitanya Charitamrita is completed. But in any case, Janava Devi is there right in the center and as, uh, it, as is quite striking, she is female. She is, uh, she is a woman and she becomes a leading guru. And of course, this has been much in conversation in the, <laughs> in the world of ISKCON as we debate, and it seems like it's going to be an endless debate, whether or not there can be women gurus in our society. Uh, we, uh, we like to point to Janava Devi as one example, not the only, but one example, a prominent example. And, uh, and then when her name is mentioned, then others will say, oh, no, no, but she's an exception. She is, see, she's an exception. Who can claim to be in, uh, to have such a elevated qualification as Janava Devi? Well, um, you can take it that way or you can take it the other way, <laughs> which is she's giving example, uh, she's showing possibility. And uh, she was, we don't see any evidence to my knowledge that there was any doubt amongst the devotees during her time. We don't hear of any grumbling. Oh, what, what sort of a guru could she possibly be? She's female. Rather, she was highly respected. Uh, so we celebrate and we honor and hopefully we will, in course of time, learn more about her life so that we can better celebrate her life. Shri Sita Devi Ki Jai, Shri Janava Devi Ki Jai, Hare Krishna. Thank you so much, Maharaj. Um, if anyone has any questions about the talk today, about the class, you can either raise your hands or unmute your mics. Thank you. It's a quiet group. It is, isn't it? <laughs> One thing you might, you may not have a question, but you might like to share some thought that has been sparked by anything we've said. Um, something that you maybe want to remember, something that makes you want to go find out more about, or whatever. So questions are not necessarily required. Thank you very much, Guru Maharaj, for the wonderful class. I was waiting maybe for someone else to ask first, so that I'm not first. <laughs> but uh, since no one raised the hands, oh, there's also Gorangi. She's got a hand up. But I'll be very, I'll be very fast. Thank you so much, Guru Maharaj. Um, 
I'd like to say um, one thing and then ask you a question. Um, uh, when you were reading about Hanuman, um, how he approached uh, Sita Devi, uh, I mean, he was very, very considerate, but thinking about how to approach her, not to scare her um, as being a Brahmana. So she would probably think that uh, that's probably a Radhana again. Or, uh, and, and that really like melts the heart and uh, gives an example um, for me personally when I approach um, other devotees or other people to, because uh, there are so many things to be considered. Oh. I'm asking you as, as, as a scholar and uh, a scholar. Have, uh, great knowledge. Uh, and not only a scholar, but um, have knowledge about um, Sita Devi's personality. Um, how would I approach her? What are her the greatest qualities? The greatest qualities of Sita Devi. That in itself is a matter of great controversy. <laughs> Yes, because some some will say, you know, she's she's very submissive and she's very tolerant and she's the ideal wife and so on. And then others say, well, that's all right, but um there there's there's another Sita Devi. She's very she can be very fierce when she was determined to come with her husband. She became very fierce. Um, I like to think that she is a not a two-dimensional person, but a real person, and therefore having so many different uh, qualities, some of which may be contrary, just like us. We have we have different moods, and so she would be like that. In fact, yeah, in the end, you know, um, the final, the final uh, pastime is that when, when after Ram has banished her to, the, to be, stay in the ashram of Valmiki, and then he feels so bad and he comes, he wants uh, to ask her to come back. What does she say? She says, forget it. And instead, she disappears. She's been insulted too much. Um, so there's that side also. And um, there's so many different versions of the Ramayana. And one that I read several years ago, I appreciated for its 
uh, presentation of Sita as a real Kshatriya woman, not only in as a you know having a strong character, but also being exceptionally uh, qualified to fight physically fight. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. We usually think of Sita as, you know, all sweetness and so on. But could there be this other side? So how to pray to Sita? Well, uh, how to appreciate Sita's qualities? Well, uh, of course, her faithfulness to Rama, we can say, is one important feature. Um, and I think that can be taken in a deeper sense than simply faithfulness for a wife to her husband. It can be taken also as faithfulness uh, of a disciple to guru, of devotee to Krishna. So in that way, we may pray for her blessings. Well, I think we've gone a bit over our time now, but I don't know. Gorangi Mataji. Uh, Gorangi, is it okay, Mark? It's okay. It's okay if, with me if it's okay with you. <laughs> Thank you, Tulsi. Thank you so much, Maharaj. Thank you for that wonderful class. Um, you kind of have answered my question because I was, I was, I was just met. Um, you know, it was such a lovely exchange between uh, Hanuman and Sita Devi, but then you said that that whole story is such a tragedy and 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 full of misery. And I was I, I can't get over this um this this last pastime that she as a mother of two children gets banished to the forest. I, I mean from a moral perspective, how does that work? Um, you know, just because somebody gossips. Um, and and she remains faithful, but you just said that thing that that when Lord Rama didn't know that 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 little pastime that she, she comes for her and asks her to come back, and she says forget it. So I have to say, it made me a little bit happy. <laughs> she said that, but that's me neophyte thinking. But I just um, so I like her her picture like this that she was such a strong charitable woman, but. How does it relate to her faithfulness if she she just and I can't blame her at this point that she was just I've had enough now thank you very much but um, how does that relate her 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 faithfulness to Lord Ram throughout this whole period and and um, I have an issue with Ramayan because I'm a mom so I I can't get over that stumble block of somebody being banished with two children to the forest whatever the reasons. Well, you're raising an issue that's been an issue for devotees uh, since centuries <laughs> and uh, has resulted in there being many different versions, rewrites, if you like, of the Ramayana. And so... Um, well, I don't know if it's in the Ram Charitmanas, but in the Ram Charitmanas makes some major changes. Tulsi Das's Ram Charitmanas, 
most people in North India are much more familiar with Ramcharitmanas than they are with Valmiki Ramayana. Uh, because Ramcharit, and in South India, it's the Kamban Ramayana, the, the Tamil Ramayana. And both of these are very devotional, whereas the Valmiki Ramayana, um, the devotion is not so obvious. In the Ram Charit Manas, it's extremely obvious. It's just spilling over with bhakti. Um, but I can't say whether that incident is in the Ram Charit Manas. In any case, yes, from uh, the from Sita's perspective, it was too much, and so she decided. You can, it's also understood, another way it's understood is Sita and Ram are eternal. Um, they are Lakshmi Narayan uh, and they are eternally together. And they are eternally together in uh, the spiritual, spiritual world. And so Sita is returning to the spiritual world to be re reunited with Rama there. Uh, knowing that, it could be a problem. See, the whole reason that Ram banished her was because it was either uh, stay with her and lose his reputation and therefore his power as a king, or to banish her and uh, rule the kingdom um, as as a dutiful king. It was, it was, it was either or. That's how it was set. That's how it's set up. That's how it's understood. It was one way or the other. And so, if Sita would now, after all, come back, well, that might compromise Ram's position again. So better she just leave. And then, of course, right after that, uh, Ram also leaves. He enters into the Sarayu River, and that's it. Back, back to Godhead. <laughs> but it's a heart-rending story, and that's why Ananda Vardhana says it's it's Karanaras. It's it's heart it's heart rending. It's not a happy ending. It's not you know, it's not uh, so simple, <laughs> and therefore it's also more human. I think it's more rich. It's deeper, and therefore it's enduring. Also the Ramayana, and again it, it endures in so many different forms. There's an article called 300 Ramayanas. Ramayanas. <laughs> Someone estimated. There may be more than that, though. Anyway, some, that's, these are my thoughts. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. So thank you all for this opportunity.
Shida, would you like to say any final words? Just thank you very much for the lovely class and also that drawing the, the parallel between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his um, mood of separation and Sita Devi's mood of separation mm. between Lord Ram was, was very beautiful uh, <laughs> parallel to draw. Thank you. And also just to say that the books that you um, got your disciples to write were, that you know, the um, Krishna Smaranam books. And, uh, oh, the Rama Smaranam, yeah. We use them in my year six class as models for the children to draw from for their writing. So oh. if we can produce more of those, we would love it because they're, they're really high quality. And um, Dira Lalita used to be in my class as well. She knows we've used yeah. them and um, I love them. I wish I wish there were more. They're really good for our, our older children to read. So thank you so much. Thank you. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to do more, but it's getting devotees um, to write is like, it's like pulling teeth or something. They just... <laughs> it's just really, really... Maybe the children, if, they, if some good writing comes out next time, we'll send it to you and you can see if you want to use... Yes, that would be nice. Writing. Yeah, writing and also art, artwork. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much for, for giving the Sangha this evening. Thank you, thank you, Mataji. Shila Prabhupada ki jai, Ananta Goti Vaishnava Rinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande Haribo.